We know our earth is in trouble. We need to use agroecology because that helps the earth heal. We care for our earth mother. We care for the future that we leave our grandchildren. We care because we are farmers. Power to the peasants. Hi, I'm Sammy Ardito Rivera, and this is Growing Liberation, the podcast for Midwest Farmers of Color Collective, a collective of Black, Indigenous, farmers of color centered on racial justice and the development of food and farming systems that honor our communities past, present, and future. We're so excited to bring you this podcast series featuring the perspectives and stories of farmers of color in Minnesota, the Midwest, and beyond. We hope you'll listen, share the podcast with your friends, and join us in reflecting on the critical role of farmers of color in growing good food and healing our communities and our planet. For episode two of the podcast, we thought we'd introduce you to some of our members who attended the Rally for Resilience in Washington, D.C. this spring an incredible action led by the farmers and workers on the front lines of the climate crisis. Here's Zoe Holloman, co-founder of Midwest Farmers of Color, talking about the action. We're part of the Heal Food Alliance um, network, as well as the National Sustainable Ag Coalition have been coordinating with farmer of color groups around the country for several months to plan this large action. So, There's a a march and a rally, and we had some lobby days. And we have to come together and fight to stop pesticide secrecy. Are you with me? We can't wait. Our farm workers can't wait. And who has the power? We have the power. So can you say it with me? Who has the power? We have the power. Who has the power? We have the power. So they invited us down to be a part of that and helped sponsor some farmers from Midwest Farmers of Color to go to talk to each other and be in community together around our priorities. And then also to talk to our members of Congress about what we want and need in the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill is a $700 billion piece of legislation that's renewed every five years or so and has a huge impact on farmers, eaters, and the environment. But farmers of color and farm workers have historically not had a seat at the table in defining the Farm Bill's vision and deciding its priorities. Here's Zoe again talking about what farmers of color want to see in the upcoming Farm Bill. We have a lot of priorities, things that farmers of color need, access to land, Um, making trainings and technical assistance through government agencies more accessible to our folks, really having greater representation in the programs and the funding and the decision-making for food and farming in this country. That's really what the Farm Bill does, is it kind of decides what the food and agriculture policy is going to be. A lot of times, like, as farmers of color, we're in spaces or part of parts of coalitions, and we're not the loudest voice. We're not the the most powerful um, parts of those groups, and so it's hard to to feel like you have to fight to be listened to, or you know they go through the whole agenda and like surprise, mm-hmm. not a lot of our priorities are in there, and just that experience of having to 
talk a lot about the history of oppression and why it's important for not just for us to be activists and advocates, um, but for our white allies and other folks to, to do that work too. Several decades of farmland consolidation, the trend toward larger, fewer farms, and the legacy of racism at institutions like the U.S. Department of Agriculture have led to a 98% reduction in the number of Black farmers in the United States since 1920. Here's Angela Dawson, founder and CEO of 40 Acres Co-op in Sandstone, Minnesota, speaking at the rally. In any other environmental conversation, a decrease of 98% of a population would make that population endangered. We are endangered because of the historic injustices that have been brought upon our community that has led to the loss of millions of acres and billions of dollars of generational wealth of black farmers, leaving the surviving 2% of us vulnerable to predatory lenders, to shady investors, and to people that try to put us in trick bags that continue to steal our labor and our intellectual property and our land. A famous class action lawsuit known as the Pigford case accused the U.S. Department of Agriculture of discriminating against black farmers for years. While the case was settled in 2011, Angela says thousands of black farmers across the country still have not seen justice. It was like every single time it was time to discuss justice for what black farmers were owed after clearly documenting the discrimination and systemic oppression and bias that they had faced within the USDA. And it was like every single farm bill, the issue was kicked down the road. And there's so many black farmers who have aged out or who actually died before they have been able to see justice. The Pickford versus Glickman class action settlement suit was basically the grounding for the socially disadvantaged farmers program within the USDA. It was created because they were trying to write the injustices from Black farmers. And so for us to have a voice and for me to be able to have a voice to bring some of that to that experience, I was feeling all kinds of emotions um, all throughout the entire time because of both the historical and the current issues that Black farmers are facing. Immigrant farmers face similar but also different challenges, including discrimination and language barriers. Moses Momani came to the United States from Kenya in 2004 and now farms about 20 acres with his family in Cambridge, Minnesota, where he also runs a training program for other immigrant farmers. For me, I have been a farmer. I've never thought I would go into this advocating for farmer. Uh, But slowly by slowly, being passionate about wanting to see people I know who grew up farming. They have that background of farming. I know they can farm. I know given land and the resources, they can farm. There are two ways that I think are important. One is to reassure them that yes, you can farm, but on this other end is also to go out there and say, hey, uh, we need resources for this new farmer. So going to DC to rally was one. It also gave me an opportunity to like participate in the farm bill rally. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's overwhelming when 
that time comes and action is needed and uh, farmers sometimes we forget about how to advocate for ourselves. One of the central issues for all farmers of color is access to land, in addition to access to markets and resources like grants and loans that can help us grow successful farming businesses and remain on the land. Lilian Bass is another immigrant farmer from Kenya who operates Tulime Cooperative in Minnesota, along with four other women. Land access is the centerpiece of their organizing and the reason Lily made the trip to D.C. for the rally. It was so beautiful to be able to speak up for land access issues. That was specifically my focus, was land access and um, the entry barriers that really impact the BIPOC community as they try to get into farming. The fact that we have all these resources um, that are out there, you know, under the USDA and beyond, but to hear the same story over and over of somebody saying it's been seven years, it's been six years, it's been 10 years, I don't know what else to do. I've checked everything that they asked me to check. They're not gonna approve my loan. Why is it that way? The process is made to seem like it's very fair, but is it? I don't know. And I don't think it's fair and equitable. Farmers of color also asking for the Farm Bill to include a title around labor so that we can begin to address some of the exploitative conditions that exist on farms across the country, especially when it comes to immigrant workers who do not have full citizenship rights. Farm workers are especially vulnerable to exposure to dangerous pesticides, as Yaneli Martinez of Californians for Pesticide Reform shared at the rally. In 1988, the great Cesar Chavez, co-founder of the United Farm Workers, fasted for 36 days to protest the scourge of pesticides. Of the poisoning and permanent harm pesticides cause to children, including cancer, reproductive and developmental damage, brain harm and lung damage. In Greenfield, my community, the beautiful heart of the valley, and throughout the farm worker communities of California, the fight against the scourge of pesticides continue 35 years still after Cesar's last fast. Let's think about that for a minute. We need a different kind of farming, one that protects workers nuestros campesinos and their families. We need a farm bill that promotes organic regenerative farming for our future health and for the future of our children and the planet. More than ever, there's potential for this year's farm bill to address environmental justice, climate resilience, and racial equity in the food system. That's what we're fighting for. Here's Zoe Holloman again. We need a food system that's life-affirming, that is, is not so reliant on hazardous pesticides and chemical fertilizers. And that hasn't been the kind of agriculture that the U.S. has predominantly invested in for the last several decades. So we, we know that needs to change in states like Minnesota, where industrial ag is, is in the majority. I think maybe 70 to 80 percent of our agriculture is is growing like commodity corn and soy 
and the type of agriculture that is is toxic for people, for our ecosystems, for our future. So we're being around in community with lots of folks who also feel that way. It just feels truly empowering and it gives you hope that there's a lot of us fighting together. Angela Dawson agrees that building stronger coalitions and collective actions like the rally in D.C. are at the heart of this important work. I feel like it's just so critical to have groups like the Heal Alliance and Midwest Farmers of Color Collective and all these groups working together to keep an eye on these policymakers. We have to continue the coalition building and we have to continue the specific solidarity work that we do to support black farmers and brown farmers and farm workers and the environment. Even though we know that we've been doing this fight for generations, right? There's been people that have been in this fight for generations. I, it just all, almost feels like this is the beginning right now, especially with the kinds of uh, coalitions that we're bringing together in solidarity to make changes like, like, like the one that we did in D.C., Here's Susuyu Lhasa from Soulfire Farm, summarizing why farmers of color from the Midwest and across the country travel to D.C. and why we're rising up for climate resilience and a farm bill that reflects our values. We need a farm bill that prioritizes communities above corporations and food not feed. We need a bill that recognizes the entrenched racist history of the USDA and demands justice for black farmers. We need robust labor protections for our farm and factory workers. And we know that everyone deserves to have access to nutritious, healthy, and culturally relevant food. I hope that we can see how plentiful and powerful we are. I hope that we see how much abundant love is in the midst of those who sustain this food system. Lastly, I hope for justice for our communities. Thanks for listening to Growing Liberation, a podcast from the Midwest Farmers of Color Collective. I'm Sammy Ardito Rivera, and I hope you'll join us in fighting for a better, more equitable farm bill in 2023. Learn more about our work in this podcast by visiting MidwestFarmersOfColor.org and look for Growing Liberation wherever you get your podcasts.